0: Hi, this is Joel Scrivener, pastor of Oaks Church in McKinney, Texas. And I wanted to say thank you so much for listening, sharing, and supporting our podcast. I know that today's message is going to inspire you, challenge you, and empower you to fearlessly follow Jesus like never before. Now, let's check out today's message. glad to have you today at Oaks Church. I know we're worshiping online. We built this weekend specifically for you and for your family to stay together and to be with your family and worship from home today. And so we're happy that we could have this chance to do this for you and to serve you in this way. We can't wait for you to be back with us in person next Sunday at Oaks Church. We're starting a brand new series. I can't wait. It's a vision series. It's all about the DNA of Oaks Church. Who God has called us to be scripturally. Literally thousands of years ago, God spoke about who we would be and who he called us to be and what he called us to do. And we're going to walk through a series in January that's going to explain that for us and set us on a course for the entire year to fully be who God has called us to be and walk in everything God has called us to walk in. So make sure that you are part of that. January at Oaks Church. Do not miss a single week. It's going to be absolutely impactful for your life and it's going to give you vision for your future. I'm going to. to jump into a quick prayer and we're going to go right into our message today. Why don't you pray with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to worship together as a family. We're so grateful for everything you've done this year at Oaks Church and in our families and in our community. And Father, I thank you that you are in control and you have all of us in your hands. Our nation is in your hands. Father, we have nothing to fear. And right now, in the name of Jesus, I declare supernatural peace upon your people, supernatural release of your favor upon your people. Let this weekend and let this week be one of the most amazing weeks that they spend with their family and friends. Father, we ask you that this be just a rich time in their spirit and in their souls. In Jesus' name, Father, release your blessing upon us. Give us your clarity. Father, speak to us today. In Jesus' name, we give you praise and glory and honor. Amen. Amen. Well, we're finishing up a series Called Adore. We've been focusing all month long on the story of Jesus Christ. This Christmas story has been all about the adoration of Jesus Christ. The centerpiece of the story of Christmas is Jesus being born on the planet, coming into uh, this existence with us to live for us, to die for us, to come back to life for us. And it's a series of promise after promise after promise after promise that God has kept for his people. And so as we enter into in this today, I want to take just a moment. I want to talk to you about that feeling of, of, of being a let down or that feeling of walking through something where someone made a commitment to you or made a promise to you and they didn't keep their end of the bargain. I, I had a boss one time that I worked with and this boss decided to uh, motivate us and to inspire us. He would promise these lofty goals, these lofty rewards. And, and he would say, if you guys will hit this goal, if you hit this number, then we'll be doing this, 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 and this. And, and I mean, every single time he would set that goal and we would work so hard, man, for a whole quarter, for uh, half of the year and we would hit the goal or whatever and then he would come back and he would say, oh, well, actually this didn't happen and that didn't happen and because of this and because of that. And he always had a way that he would kind of finagle out of the promise that he had made to us and what happened is we started losing hope in him. Uh, the Bible says that, that hope deferred makes the heart sick. And, and so this gentleman, because of his inability to keep his promise, sabotaged his own business. And the people that were most valuable to him to help him move toward the future that he was desiring to go toward, he ended up losing because they lost faith and lost hope in him. They were heartsick. We were heartsick. And I know that all of us have been in a place where someone promised us something, someone committed to us, and, and we and we we held on to that and we believed in that. And then we were let down and we were heartbroken you know the reality is is that you may have actually even felt that way at times with God because there are things that happen in life there are things that we go through in life that we never wanted to go through we never intended to go through we thought they would never happen to us I know in my own personal life thing after thing time after time I've walked through things that I didn't want to happen and it can make your heart sick and it can make you doubt God at times Because we have these promises, the Bible is a book of promises and oftentimes in my life I felt like well God where where were you when this happened and why didn't you come through in this situation and why would you possibly allow me to go through something like this. I can't tell you how many times I've said this type of thing, I don't think I could ever make it through this, God don't let this happen because if this happened I would just want to quit. And I can't tell you how many times the thing that I said I couldn't make it through was what God ended up having me walk through. God is sovereign. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. And God makes promises to us. God is a promise keeper. In fact, he always starts with a promise. See even the story of Jesus in the book of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, the whole thing started with a promise. When Adam and Eve messed up, when they fell, God made a promise. In the midst of him punishing them, he made a promise to them about what would happen. And actually, the promise included what was going to happen to the enemy, to the devil, to the one that had tricked them and deceived them? See, the very first promise that God made in regards to our coming salvation and our redemption was what, that the woman would have a seed in her that would be released into the earth, that that human being that would be born through the seed of a woman would crush the devil's head. It's a powerful promise, and it's a promise that God fulfilled. He always starts with a promise. I want to take you to a place in the Christmas story that's actually sometimes just overlooked and and, and read past. And it's a place in scripture that's a very important story and it's connected to a promise, but we oftentimes miss it because it's not one of the highlight stories. This is the story where Mary, as the mother, had finished her season of purification. After a woman in that day and age in the Jewish culture had a baby, she would go through what was called a time of purification. And after her purification, they would bring the baby into public and the baby would then come into the temple and be blessed and all of this type of things. And so this is the story that happened on that day where Jesus, as a baby, maybe 30 days or 45 days old, is now brought into the temple For the very first time and presented to God. And this is found in Luke chapter 2 verse 22. It says, When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or young, two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. i want to stop right there for just a second because Jesus Christ is the picture of God's tithe in the earth. Jesus Christ is the picture of God giving his very best, God giving his firstborn son in the earth. And part of the purification process for Jesus Was to be redeemed with a tithe himself. So the tithe of heaven, God's tithe, was then redeemed in the earth with the tithe of Mary and Joseph. The two turtle doves or the two young pigeons were brought as actually a poor person's gift. See, every firstborn child had to be redeemed, and a tithe was to be given to redeem or to purify that child back to their parents. And so this is a beautiful story where we see that. God gave the tithe of heaven and Mary and Joseph participated with their tithe and their offering back unto the Lord as well. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So this is an old man that's in scripture. This is an old man named named Simeon who literally literally is there he's waiting in the temple day in and day out and he's got a promise from God that he would live as long as it took until finally the Messiah was born and he would see the Messiah with his own two eyes That was the promise God gave him. That's a personal promise. That's not a promise that's necessarily, it's in Scripture, but that's not a promise that was given to every single person in Scripture. That was a personal promise just to Simeon from the Lord, the God, the creator of the universe, spoke to Simeon, revealed to Simeon personally, hey, you, Simeon, buddy, you're with me, I got you, one day you're coming home, but here's your promise, you won't come home to me until you see with your own eyes the actual Messiah born in the earth. What an incredible experience that this man had and now as we continue with the story, he sees Jesus and moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts and when the parents brought in the child, uh, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praise God. So this is a stranger. This is someone that that doesn't know the family, and he sees this baby Jesus, takes him into his arms, and begins to praise God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, or I can now die in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel. This is a 30-day-old baby Jesus, a 40, I mean, just just a month and a half, maybe, old baby Jesus, and the prophecy about him that he would cause the rising and falling of many in Israel. Israel, and that he would be a sign that would be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. Watch. And then part of the promise, part of the of the prophecy was to marry, and a sword will peace, pierce your own soul too. What an interesting experience that happened at Jesus's baby dedication, we'll call it. We do child and baby dedications here in church. In fact, we'll have one coming up very soon. And if your child hasn't been dedicated uh, before, you can and have your child dedicated. We'll bring him to the to the front of the church and we'll lay hands on them and pray over them and declare God's promises over them as well. But this is Jesus's baby dedication. And at that dedication, there's an individual there, Simeon, who's been waiting his whole life. He's an old man, 84 years old. He's been waiting his whole life and God has given him a promise. He will see the Messiah with his own eyes. And here he is. He's led by the Spirit to go to the temple on this exact specific day and be there. And he sees baby Jesus. And he's moved by the the spirit and he prophesies the life of Jesus and the impact of Jesus and even the death of Jesus and how it would affect his mother a sword piercing her very soul see God starts with a promise this idea Christmas is all about a promise this idea of a salvation and a savior it's all about a promise a promise that God made at the very first story of man's failure God made a promise for salvation And he spent thousands of years, in fact, he spent 4,000 years fulfilling peace after peace after peace, promise after promise after promise. There are literally hundreds of references in Scripture of the coming Messiah. Some scholars believe 300 references in Scripture of the coming Messiah. All of them have been fulfilled. God always keeps his promises. God always keeps his promises. I'm going to say that again. God always keeps his promises. God is not a man that he should lie. God is not a type of person that makes a promise and and doesn't keep it. God keeps his promises. In fact, Isaiah 55 verse 11 says, So is my word that goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but I will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. God literally guarantees when he says something, he will make sure that it fulfills what he said it would fulfill. God is a promise keeper. There's not a single promise that God has made to you that he will not fulfill and that he will not keep. He desires for you to have a personal relationship with Him. Where you have intimate communication. Where you know Him in the same way that Simeon knew Him. And you have personal promises that go beyond the Bible. It's between you and Him, the things that He's shown you. This is what's going to happen. I have promises in my life that I've learned through my intimate relationship with my Father in Heaven. And my, 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 my relationship i built through the Bible and through my prayer times and through journaling. And, and the experience that I have creating a space in my life to engage and to encounter God. I have promises that God has made to me. And he always keeps his promises. He watches over his word to perform it. Jeremiah 1 verse 22 says, The Lord said to me, You have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. God is a keeper of promises. He starts with a promise. And he never leaves a promise unkept. Now, here's the thing. You don't know how long it takes for him to fulfill that promise. The promise that he made in Genesis chapter 3, it was 4,000 years before that promise was fulfilled. How many generations of people, how many generations thought, well, I guess that one, I guess God didn't, I guess whatever. It's easy for us as humans who live for just a blip of time and compared In comparison to eternity, we we live for 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years, however long we only know uh, what we know. God knows all things, and God makes eternal promises, and he may make a promise to you that you never see with your own eyes, but your children, or your children's children, or your children's children's children see the promise. Just because you don't experience it with your own eyes does not mean that God does not keep his promises. We've got to get God's perspective on things because God has not forgotten you. How easy could it have been for Simeon at 84 years of age to say, you know what? Maybe maybe I, I just made that up. Maybe I didn't really hear God. Maybe God didn't actually say that to me. Maybe I, I had some spicy Cheetos or something and I had a bad dream. And, and I just, it just the whole thing. I just conjured It was just my imagination. But he held on to it. How many stories in scripture, like Abraham and Sarah, 25 years after the promise, they saw that baby, Isaac. 25 years. They never actually, with their own eyes, saw the nations. The promise was that their, 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 their lineage would be more than the sand on the seashore, more than the stars in the sky. They never saw it with their own eyes. See, Jesus said to his disciples, you believe because you have seen, but blessed is he who believes and has not seen. I mentioned earlier 300 promises of the coming Messiah, all kept. There are 47, I have a list here in my notes, I can't go through them all, but 47 specific promises, Things about the Messiah that were mentioned in multiple chapters, multiple places in the Bible, hundreds of years before Jesus, some of them thousands of years before Jesus. 47 specific places, every single one of them, a promise kept. In Scripture, here's where the promise is. In Scripture, here's where the promise was fulfilled. I'm talking about things like that Jesus would be born, uh, that he would be born in Bethlehem, that he would be called uh, a Nazarite, or a a Nazarene, that he would also be from Nazareth, that he would come out of Egypt. These are all stories or promises that were kept, that that he would be of the line of Abraham, and the line of Isaac, and the line of Jacob, that he would be part of the tribe of Judah, that he would uh, be one that came through the lineage of David, and he would proliferate David's throne, that he would be anointed and be an eternal king, that he would be in the order of Melchizedek, both king and priest. There are dozens and dozens of promises of the Messiah that God made. This is how you will know it's him. This is what he will be like. This is where he'll be from. This is what his lineage will be like. This is the miracle of his birth. This is the miracle of his ministry. Over and over and over and over in Scripture, and then we see them in Scripture fulfilled. Because God doesn't forget. He watches over his word to perform it. He's a promise keeper. He starts with a promise. And he keeps his promises. In my research years ago, I read of a scientist. He was a mathematician and a scientist. And he did the actual odds, the probabilities of what it would be mathematically for one human being to fulfill only eight of the prophecies of the Messiah. If one human being, if if just eight, I, I got a list of 47 here, scholars believe there's 300, if just eight were kept, what's the mathematic probability? Well this scientist, the way that he explained it, it was the probability for one person, to have only eight of the Messiah's prophecies fulfilled. I just read about 10 or 12 of you that Jesus fulfilled. If only eight were fulfilled, then the, the number mathematically is 10 to the 17th power. That's 10 with 17 zeros behind it. It's a lot of zeros. That's a big number. The way he explained it is this, and we, we who live in Texas, the beautiful country of Texas, he said if the entire country of Texas... I said country again. It's hilarious. I actually believe it at this point. We're the Lone Star Country. Uh, the entire state of Texas, if it was covered two feet deep in silver dollar coins, and there was one specific coin that had been marked as the chosen coin, and it was cast out into the middle of Texas somewhere over the vast mileage of Texas— Two feet deep silver dollar coins and you set a man out blindfolded to walk throughout Texas and reach down and pick one coin up and that coin would be the exact coin. He said, that's the mathematic probability. That's the chances. That's the the statistical opportunity for Jesus to fulfill only eight of the messianic prophecies. Family. Jesus didn't fulfill eight. Jesus fulfilled all. All of the mathematicians in the world, the greatest, the greatest supercomputers in the world, cannot handle the majesty of our creator. They can't do the math. They can't do the algebra. They can't do the calculus on the majesty of our creator. He's just that great. He's just that good. He keeps his promises. He never forgets. He watches over his word to perform it. Whatever he says, it goes out through the whole earth. And it accomplishes exactly what he set it in motion to accomplish. The question today for you as a family is, do you fully trust him? Do you fully trust him? See, see as I mentioned earlier, I've had many disappointments in my life. I've, I've, I've had betrayals in my life. I have, I've had people hurt me. I've lost loved ones. I've lost a child. I've I've been through incredible hurt and pain and devastation at times in my life, and I've asked those questions. God, are you even real? Are you even there? Do you fully trust him? See, the Bible says very clearly that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Did you know that faith and trust are synonymous To have faith in God is to trust God. So if you say, God, I believe, I have faith, it means that you trust. And what you have to decide today is, will you trust him even when you can't see? Will you trust him even if you never see? Hebrews chapter 11 is a chapter in the Bible that's all about faith. It's about the type of faith that pleases God. I would encourage you to read that chapter as a family. So many amazing stories inside of Hebrews chapter 11. And in that passage, it goes through story after story after story after story after story, after story of these heroes of the Bible that, that believed in God and lived their entire lives. Some of them lived literally hundreds of years in the early days. If you look at the biblical record, the people before the, the fall of man and, or before the curse and before the flood and the, the earth was different and man was made originally to be eternal beings that lived forever, man would have lived forever in their physical body except for sin. The wages of sin is death. And so we see people that lived literally for hundreds of years and Hebrews 11 said they followed God, they followed God, they followed God and they never saw the promise and it says the world was not worthy of them. How blessed are we to like them, those people who are called and said to be in the great cloud of witnesses, how blessed are we to have the opportunity to join them, to believe even if we Never See, See the Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 3, the testing of our faith develops perseverance. It produces perseverance, and it creates in us a faith that's worth more than gold. God is creating a faith in you. He allows you to go through stuff. He allows you to go through the ups and the downs. We went through as a nation. We've been through two years of, of horrific experiences as a nation, and even as a planet, and God allowed it. He's creating something in us. He's developing something in us, a faith that's worth more than gold. What has God promised you? What promises are you standing on? You've got to choose today. Be confident in God's promises. Be confident in God's promises. If I never see it, I believe. If I can't prove it, I believe because I know God is real. Did you know in Hebrews chapter 11, it says the type of faith that pleases God. Without faith, you can't please him. And here's the type of faith that it takes to please him. You believe that he is, and you believe that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I had a time in my life where I thought I had super faith And I was superhuman in my faith. I was so dedicated to God. I followed every rule. I followed every law. I was a a very religious person. And then my daughter died. And when my daughter died, I was devastated. Because I had jumped through every hoop. I had dotted every I, crossed every T, done everything I possibly could do to show God how dedicated I was with my belief in a promise that my daughter would live and be healed and not die. And when she died, I had nothing left. I didn't know what I believed anymore. I didn't even know if I believed the Bible anymore. And I remember in my own prayer life saying, God, I I don't know if your Bible is true. I don't know what I believe. I'm hurt, but I know two things. I know you're real. I've had too many experiences with you. I know you're real. And I know somehow, somehow, you're good. I know you're good. It doesn't make sense to me right now, but I know you're good. See, what I didn't realize is that in my lowest place in my entire life, in my most painful place in my entire life, when I felt like I was the weakest my faith had been reduced down, melted down to the actual purest form of faith, the type of faith that actually pleases him, to believe that he is and that to believe that he is good, he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Family, I can't. I can't promise you, you'll never go through anything. In fact, if I was to promise the promise of Jesus, I would have to promise that in this life you will see trials and suffering and tribulations. That's what Jesus said. But then he also said, But take heart, for I have overcome the world. I've overcome the world. Jesus has made promises to you. If you'll spend time with him, if you'll create space for him, if you'll if you'll create segments of your life where it's just you and him together. You'll experience him in a very personal and intimate way. And Jesus will reveal personal promises to you. I have promises about my marriage. I have promises from God about this church. I have promises about my future that God has revealed to me. And my personal relationship. They're between me and him. They're my personal promises. And you can cultivate if you're willing to create the space. And dedicate the time. And have the discipline. You can create a relationship with God where he makes you personal promises. The same way he promised Simeon. The same way he fulfilled that promise he'll do for you. Would you pray with me today? Would you pray with me and you're sitting with your family or you're in a hotel room, you're in a car, you're wherever you are right now. Just pray this prayer with me. Say, Father, forgive me for the times that I lost trust. Forgive me for the times that I doubted your promises. Today, I put my faith in you. I put my trust in you. I choose to believe that you are and that you are good. Father, give me the faith that pleases you. Draw me near to you. And let this next year, 2022, be the greatest year of my spiritual life, develop in me a faith and a relationship and a closeness with you that's deeper, stronger, and more real than ever before. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, if you need anything at all, shoot us a message on any of our social media sites, Oaks Church Texas, on any of our social media sites, Facebook or Instagram or whatever. You can go to our website, oakschurch.com, and send us a message there. You can email us, info at oakschurch.com. Anything you need, you're our church family. We want to be there for you and help you in any way. And I want to encourage you with all of my heart, do not miss the series in January. We're going to be talking about the vision of Oaks Church, the DNA of Oaks Church, who God has declared, literally from all. Thousands of years ago, who God declared we would be, what he's promised us specifically as a church and as his people, and what he's called us to do right here in our city, in our region, in our state, in our nation. There are huge promises for us as the children of God, and we're gonna explore those in January. Next Sunday, be with us. We love you. God bless you. Enjoy your family. Enjoy your day. We hope this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks again for listening and have a great week.